Dare I ask again? Man, just a string of ugly losses in a row. Um, <laughs> hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and I am kind of pissed off. Um, I'll be honest with you, the game has not ended yet. Oh, look at that. It's 6-3. Uh, I'm I'm recording this at the at the tail end of the game here uh, with a couple minutes left in the there's three minutes and one second exactly left in the third period. Brennan Gallagher just scored to make it uh, six to three, so slightly less horrible. <laughs> um, I, I guess you could look at it that way. I mean, sorry by the way for deciding to do this, you know, while the game is still on, but I would like to go to bed at a reasonable hour tonight, and this team has done nothing in this game to deserve me staying up late. Um, Man, this was just another lackluster effort. Save a couple of people. So let's go through a quick recap. You just heard the Brendan Gallagher goal to make it 6-3. So obviously, you're well aware that up to this point, it was 6-2 for the Nashville Predators. It wasn't a bad start for the Habs. They, They honestly didn't play... I, th- I think the shots were about even, about five minutes in. But, of course, it didn't even take five minutes. I think it was the fourth shot on net for the Predators. It was a point shot from Matthias Ekholm. I think Cody Glass got a piece of it on the way. Um, he definitely got a piece of it on the way because they reviewed it. Uh, they were looking for a high stick, but it was fine. And it's one nothing for the Predators. Like a minute after that, uh, two-on-one after a turnover by Justin Barron. Uh, Philip Forsberg throws it over to Colton Sissons. He puts it in and makes it 2 nothing. We get some four-on-four action about the midway point of the period. And just as the Nashville penalty is ending, they were in the box first, um, Ekholm claps one from the point. It goes off Justin Barron and in. It's 3 nothing for the Nashville Predators in about 10 minutes of hockey. You knew right there and then that this was going to get ugly. Um, Nashville's getting really good chances. They're all going in. Montreal's getting decent chances. None of them are going in. Um, it's a recipe for disaster. But of course... Final minute of the frame, a certain someone intercepts a pass at the defensive blue line, goes all the way down, dangles, goes to the backhand and puts it roof daddy. Who? You guessed it. Cole Caulfield. 18 more goals to go. It's 3-1, to one, and that's your score at the end of 20 minutes. Now, we go into the second period, and we get a scary moment at the very beginning. Caulfield has a knee-to-knee collision with uh, Matthias Ekholm. He goes immediately to the bench afterwards. We weren't sure if he had hurt his knee or his shoulder. He did go into the boards afterwards and could have potentially hurt his shoulder. Uh, but it looked scary because he went straight to the bench and straight to the room. But he would come back. Uh, of course, right before he came back, the Habs all of a sudden made it a game. Josh Anderson comes in on the wing, fires a shot. UC Soros gets a piece of it with his glove. He definitely wants this one back. I mean, it fucking handcuffed him and went over his glove after it hit it and into the net. And it's 3-2. to two. The Habs are right back in this. But, of course, um, you know, Caulfield comes back, gets a really good scoring chance, and then not long after that shift, goes down the other way, out from behind the net to Novak, puts it in, 4-2. to two. Two minutes left in the period. Roman Yossi coming down from the point. Fires one. Yeah. Five to two is your score at the end of 40. At the least, you know, the good news in that period is that Cole Caulfield didn't get hurt. That's that's about the, the most I can say for that period. They also scored two goals. So, you know, it was... Or one goal. Sorry. Uh, either way, the real story there is Cole Caulfield was not hurt. Great news. 
Um, we go into the third, and the third, uh, the Habs actually start the uh, period with a power play, and it turns into a five-on-three after Ekholm takes a high-sticking penalty. So all of a sudden, we have an opportunity here for the Montreal Canadiens, and they squander it. They don't score. Later on in the frame, guess who else gets a five-on-three? The Nashville Predators. They don't squander it. Matt Duchesne makes it 6-2, to two, and that's where we stood when Brendan Gallagher, um, real nice pass across there. Uh, I forget who it was that made that pass. Let me go and double-check that real quick because I got a highlight up. That was uh, that was Mike Hoffman. Yeah, it was Mike Hoffman. Real nice pass by Mike Hoffman over there uh, to get it over to Gallagher, and he puts it in uh, at the side of the net. 6-3 to three is your score. There are 26 seconds left in the game now. Um, obviously, I've been talking for longer than three minutes, but, uh, you know, there's stoppage time here. So what can you do? Uh, game's about to end. Uh, looks like 6-3 is, in fact, going to be the final. Uh, I'll kind of play for time here a little bit. Ten seconds left on the clock. Uh, just to make sure that there are no other goals that I need to describe. And sure enough, Nashville's going to sit back, kill off the rest of the clock. And there you have it. 6-3. to three. Now... I've said many times on this podcast this season, um, I have no problem with them losing games. They can lose every game from here on out, especially anybody who's been following the World Juniors, seen how good Connor Bedard looks. I got no problem with this team losing every game from here on out. I would, however, like to see some fight. I would not like to see a string of games like we've just saw. Uh, They're on what, like a five-game losing streak? And the last three were 7-2 and then 9-2 and now 6-3. You know, these blowout losses are going to do absolutely nothing for morale. They're going to do absolutely nothing for some of the young players. Um, and, you know, it's you've you got to at least build a culture where there's some fight to the games. You know, if if those games, if, if I could go back and I could make it 7-4 seven, seven, or 7-5, seven, and then 9 to, I don't know, 9 to 5, 9 to 6... And then six to four, six to five, something like that. I think those you 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 maybe have some positives that you can take away from those games. The last few games, what's the only positive that you can take away? And he is once again your silver lining of the night against the Nashville Predators. It's Cole Caulfield. He's the only guy out there that has any kind of fight in him. It seems. I mean, I, I throw Suzuki in there too. Suzuki's also been playing pretty well, but Caulfield's been the star, the only star. I mean, this game. People were saying it on Twitter before uh, before it even started. Um, you know, it, it was going to kind of depend on which version of Samuel Montembeau showed up. And I don't think you can hang this loss on Samuel Montembeau at all. I think the goals that went in were very difficult for him to stop. I, I, I can't pinpoint a single one where I think he should have had that one. So that's six goals that virtually doesn't matter who you have in the net. They're going to go in anyways. Cole Caulfield's the only guy who can score right now. Yeah, you got one from Anderson as well, but that was a gimme. You got one from Gallagher, but that was uh, that was an easy one for him at the side of the net, and it was in garbage time. Cole Caulfield is the only guy when when the game is happening, when when they're in the game, when they're out of the game. It doesn't matter. He's the only guy. It can't just be him. And he's your silver lining of the night, your player of the game, whatever you want to call it. Again, was this the second, third game in a row? Uh, I'd really love to be able to give this to somebody else. I'd really like to see them be able to, to, to figure out a lineup configuration that actually works. And I'd really like to see them stop putting Uri Slavkovsky on the fucking fourth line. I don't understand this. I have faith in Martin Saint-Louis. I'm not ready to go on a rant against him yet. But what are we doing there? Did we draft this guy to be a bottom six checker? That is the question that you have to ask yourself. Because if the answer to that question is no, 
then why the fuck is he playing on a line with Michael Pizzetta at the bottom of the lineup playing checking minutes? He got actually a shift on the top line and looked decent there. Of course, that shift was precipitated by what? By Caulfield's injury. Uh, but he, he needs to be up in the lineup. You have Jonathan Drouin centering the second line tonight. We know that doesn't work. Why are you doing that? I'm not saying put Uri Slavkovsky as the center of that line. I know you're a little bit short on centers right now because you got some people that are injured. But what are we doing? Slavkovsky cannot keep playing on the fourth line. This is not how we're going to develop him into the player that we drafted him to be. Why are we playing him there? It doesn't make sense. And if you're going to play him there, why the fuck didn't you send him to the World Juniors? Everybody saw that Slovakia versus Canada game last night, right? I guess some of you are listening to this on on Wednesday, so uh, on Monday night. Everybody saw that game, right? How amazing that game was. That was fantastic. Bedard doing some magic in overtime. How cool would it have been to see Uri Slavkovsky out there going up against Shane Wright? Going up against Bedard. That would have been amazing. But no, no, we can't have that because we need him to fucking play on the fourth line for us against Nashville in a meaningless game. I, I don't I, I don't understand some of the decisions right now. I don't understand, you know, Mike Hoffman made a real nice pass there in that game. I don't understand what the fuck he's doing in this lineup. Joel Edmondson, what, what, what the fuck are you doing? He shoved, uh, I forget who it was, I think it was Johansson, shoved him into Montembeau at one point. Like, cross-checks him in the back, throws him directly into his own goaltender. And then afterwards has the gall to go over there and be like, what are you doing, man? Like, bumping him while he's on the ground. It's like, you you did that. That's your fault. The fuck are you doing? You can't go over there and get mad at him afterwards because he hit the goalie when you threw him into the goalie. You knew you did it. What are you doing? The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow, great to see you again. Critics agree, Loki Season 2 is... Marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2, now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You're, you're, I'll, t- I'll tell you what you're not doing. You're not helping this team. The best defenseman this team has is Caden Gooley, and he's, uh, during the game, they announced that he's been moved onto the IR. So who knows when the next time we're going to see him is. So now, who's the best defenseman? Who is the best defenseman on the Montreal Canadiens? I think in that game, I-, I would probably argue it was David Savard, maybe Arbor Jackeye. But who's who's the best def- It's not Joel Edmondson. Joel Edmondson is terrible this season. I honestly... <laughs> I don't know if they can find a trade partner, but if anybody was offering anything for him right now, I would jump all over it. Screw it. Cut bait. Take off. Have an opportunity somewhere else with a contender. Maybe we can get a Ben Sherrod-esque return out of you. I don't know. I'll I'll tell you right now, I'm sick of watching it. I, I cannot stand when I see defensemen throw players into their own goaltender, and that was the most noticeable that he was all night. Outside of that, what did he do? Anybody, please tell me in the comments. Send me an email. Send me a DM. What do you see from Joel Edmondson that tells you this guy should be an NHL defenseman right now? He's part of the reason they're so bad. <sighs> Man. Um, who else can I rant about? I mean, you, you can't say anything about Montembeau. Uh, again, I, I don't think there's any goals that he should have stopped. Can't say a whole lot about the top line. They're the only line that really looks dangerous when they're on the ice. It's the configuration. 
It's the same rant that I gave after the last game. It's like, why are we not cutting bait on some of this dead weight and bringing up youngsters, testing people out? You know, a 6-3 loss where you find out whether or not uh, a young player from Laval can make the jump, I think is worth a lot more than a 6-3 loss where you learn nothing. What did we learn from that game? There's nothing to learn. All we learned, really, is that Nashville Predators are better than the Montreal Canadiens, which, whoop de doo we kind of already knew that. They're not a lot better. They're better enough to, to win 6-3. But what did we learn? We didn't learn anything about any of the young players. We didn't learn anything about the lineup. Um, we <laughs> we didn't learn anything. I guess we, we learned the power play still sucks. They can't even score on a 5-on-3. Cole Caulfield, again, doing his damage outside of the power play. I mean, these games are getting tougher and tougher to watch. And for me, again, I never had a problem with losing. Losing was always going to serve a greater purpose, uh, improving those draft lottery odds so that we can get a better chance at a generational player, right? But I, I, what I can't stand is losing like this and losing while learning nothing, losing while accomplishing nothing, you know? There has to be some kind of end game to it. And I, I, I do wonder if there's moves coming soon, if Kent Hughes is going to get off his ass, uh, move a few players, put somebody on waivers. At this point, I'm, I'm grasping at straws. Waivers would actually make me happy. It would at least tell me that he notices the problems with the team right now and that he's willing to make a change, that he's willing to try something different. right? And it doesn't have to be something that makes you win games. It has to be something that sends a message to the fans, people like me, who watch every game, never miss one, to the point where I'm even recording a podcast after every single game. Send me a message that tells me you're looking to the future. You are looking to uh, build around that top line so that it's not just them out there. It's not just Cole Caulfield doing magic here and there to keep the team in the game. That's what I want. I don't care if you lose. Lose all the games, honestly. I am enthralled with Connor Bedard. I've watched him enough in junior in the WHL, and now seeing what he's done in this tournament just absolutely take over that tournament. Whew. If, if you weren't sold on him before, you got to be sold on him now. I would love to get him. I would love for you to do everything possible to make sure that we get him. But I'd also like to know that this team is actually looking towards the future, looking towards who can play with that top line, looking towards who might be able to play with Connor Bedard. Because right now, if you took that kid as dynamic as he is and threw him in this lineup, you'd just have another Cole Caulfield. You'd just have another guy capable of random feats of athleticism that make you go, wow, this guy's good. But you wouldn't have any wins. You need to build a team. It's a rebuild, right? What are we building? What are we building? We're not building anything with any of this dead weight. They got to cut it. Sick of it. Um, I think I've gone long enough at this point. I'm just basically repeating my previous rant. And I'm probably going to keep repeating this same rant until they do something. You know? So, something's got to give. Um, especially now that Gooley's on IR. You know? Now we, we don't even get the chance to continue to evaluate him. I really think that up front is a bigger problem than the defense. We knew the defense was going to be a little bit rough this season because they got so many rookies out there. Um, I, I would like to see some changes up front. Let's find out what we got in some of those younger players. I don't know, man. A, a lot of these veterans right now, any offer that's on the table, I'd be taking it. 
I don't care what it is. The only person I'd hold on to and wait for the deadline is probably Monahan. Number one, because he's hurt. Number two, because I think <clears throat> he's the guy that's probably going to get you the biggest return at the deadline because of the way he's been playing this season. He clearly, when he's healthy, he's very, very capable. So everybody else, I hope they're on notice. I hope they got their shit packed, ready to go. Because, you know, another team calls. I really think right now they need to be taking any and all offers that are on the table and free up some space so that we can actually do some evaluation out of these games. That's enough out of me. Um, What are we running? We're running, uh, well, 17 minutes. So c'est une grosse soirée pour les employés de soutien. Uh, We're on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I am on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate that very much. And folks, one more time. What are we at? 18 more goals to go for Cole Caulfield. The countdown continues. À la prochaine.